Hello again, everyone. Thank you for joining me for Season 3 of Uncommentary. This is your host for the entire season. My name is Marty Duran. Thanks for joining. Big shout out to my Patreons, my patrons, I suppose, at Patreon. And if you would like to be a supporter, or if you would just consider being a supporter, head on over to patreon.com slash uncommentary and do it right now. Hit pause, jump on over there, and make a commitment for a minuscule 2 or 3 or 4 or $5 a month. will cost you almost nothing. will be a tremendous help to me uh, in paying for audio work and scheduling and just some little bitty things that help make Uncommentary the uh, growing and good and hopefully even better this season podcast than it has been. Uh, if you'd like to give a one-time gift, head over to paypal.me slash uncommentarypod and you'll be able to make a one-time gift via your debit or credit card and uh, that would also be greatly greatly appreciated now for this week's episode my guest today on uncommentary is gavin snyder gavin is an artist designer and musician based in brooklyn if you're on instagram you might know him as gavin to draw he grew up in Mulvane, Kansas, where he got his start drawing spaceships and aliens alongside his twin brother. He received his Bachelor of Architecture degree from the University of Kansas. He's happiest exploring the city with a sketchbook in hand. Gavin's drawings record the world around him, the moment, places, and people in it. His art and his music draw on the power of observation and memory. He wants to make something beautiful, something that may be able to transport the viewer to a specific time and a specific place. Gavin Snyder, welcome to Uncommentary. Uh, thanks, Marty. Thanks for having me. So um, you're probably not a household name across the entire world, uh, which is a shame <laughs> because you're extraordinarily talented. Uh, so why don't you kind of give uh, an introduction of yourself and tell people uh, what you do and <laughs> why you're on here? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I am. Well, I'm an artist, uh, I'd say first and foremost, with um, a background in architecture, writing and also uh, music. Um, I grew up in Kansas, uh, a small town called Mulvane, Kansas. And um, after um, going to University of Kansas and, and graduating there, living, living in Kansas City for a while, uh, I've been in New York, um, in Brooklyn, actually, for about four years. So uh, I love uh, the opportunity and, and the endless things to draw and feel like I've really you know, connected my art um, to the city. Um, which is, a, you know, which I found, you know, wherever I've lived, whether it's Mulvane or whether it's Kansas City or whether it's New York, the, my art, I found that my art changes with the place I'm in. So uh, lately I've been doing a lot of illustration, um, a lot of going around the city and, and, and sketching uh, urban scenes. And um, kind of that's taken on a life of its own and sort of uh, um, become what I do for a living. So that's Very the... That's very cool. So you're you're able to make a living from the sales of the art that you're that you display on Instagram. Between that and a, and working part time in an architecture firm, so very cool, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I uh, I discovered you. I, I guess that's the right word. I don't know. <laughs> it makes it sound like you're sound the cool. Beach Boys or something. Uh, <laughs> so uh, on Instagram, when you drew a picture of uh, Caroline Weaver's pencil company, CW Pencils. And, yeah. uh, and posted it on your Instagram and they, I guess, regrammed it or whatever the phrase is there for that. Uh, yeah. and so I follow them and buy pencils from them all the time. And oh. so click through to your uh, Instagram feed 
And I mean, I was absolutely blown away. If, if I think I told you this, uh, in a comment one time, you probably don't remember, but, um, (laughs) if there was one talent that I wish I had, that I absolutely have zero of in my entire body, it would be the ability to draw or paint. I, I would love to be able to be an artist in some way. And, uh, your art is extremely fascinating to me, uh, because it, it really looks like you just walk around with a pack of colored pencils and a pad and find something that looks interesting. You plop yourself down and you draw it. Then you hold up your, your art kind of in the place, often over the very thing that you were drawing, but at least in the place to give a picture. And then you take a picture, put it on Instagram and people love it. How do you do your urban art? I, well, you, you sort of summed up the process uh, pretty well. That's exactly what happens. Um, I think that, um, well, first of all, uh, to start at the very beginning, um, I've, I've been drawing all my life, probably since I was three or four years old. Wow. Um, and I have a, I have a twin brother named Grant Snyder who you really should have on, um, for a lot of reasons too. He's, and he's a cartoonist mm. as well as the Donis. So we started off drawing together. We had a double-sided easel. He was on one side, I was on the other. And we're just making up stories and inventing worlds and sort of creating this, you know, this, this real, I guess creating all these different worlds through through art, and I look back now and I feel like, um, you know, I was at my aunt and uncle's house a few years back and saw something I had done when I was four years old, um, and it's scenes of, of asteroids and spaceships and, um, you know, aliens hurling through the sky, and I, you know, ever since uh, I saw that, I've been trying to get back to that. I feel like yeah. that was my peak. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. so I guess what I'm saying is um, I've been drawing for a long time, but but the on-site drawing um, came about fairly recently. Um, uh, living in Kansas City, um, trying to figure out how to connect my architecture background mm-hmm. with my um, desire to draw and create, and and also the desire to sort of um, do something away from a computer, do something that's that's totally that will totally immerse yourself in a moment um, and really. You're, you're essentially creating a memory and you're documenting the specific time, the specific mm-hmm. place, the specific feeling you had. Um, and, and, and when you see that piece of art and you look back on it, um, you remember exactly what you felt and whether it was a good day or a bad day or, you know, you, you sort of have this small time capsule of the place you were and, and the place you were in your life and then also the thing you experienced. Um, I don't think I knew that getting into it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was my intention ever. That's just what I've... Um, sort of come about naturally and, and, and also come to realize there's a huge now with the advent of Instagram and, and um, you know, of course that's the way you found me. There's a huge community of other people mm-hmm. doing this. Oh, well. and so that in turn feeds you and you, you know, there are meetups for sketchers in, in New York and that's awesome. uh, it's a bit of, it's a solid, it was always a solitary pursuit for me drawing like that. Um, you know, going, just wandering to some far off place or a beach somewhere or a forest somewhere or, or the middle of a city. But in New York, it's become less and less solitary because everywhere you, everywhere you are, there are people who, who want to talk to you, who aren't, who, you know, who want to ask you questions, mm-hmm. who want to um, tell you their story. And I think that's been the, that's been the development that New York's brought is that um, it really becomes this sort of a, a, an experience and a study of the city and the people in it and then the people you meet. And that becomes, now it's not just me going off and drawing in, in isolation and, and trying to create art to learn something about myself. Now I'm, the stories often aren't about me at all. So that's been a very cool, um, unexpected development since moving to the city. So the most New York thing ever just happened when a police car went by your, your building. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> See, I've, 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 I've tuned it out. I don't even hear it. But, uh, it's like we're recording an episode of Law and Order. Yeah. <laughs> so were you, were you doing this before the Humans of New York guy started doing his photography and posting to Facebook? You know, I, I don't know that, that I was, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, you know, probably it's been about six years for me, maybe eight. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty close maybe, uh, beginning point. I think maybe slightly after maybe, maybe concurrently. I'm not really sure. Mm. I mean, I'm certainly aware of his yeah. stories as well. And, and that's, that's a nice, um, analogy or, you know, it's a sort of, uh, somebody who I, I admire and who's running a parallel path in terms of, uh, documenting the city. Yeah. So, uh, you start, you remember drawing as early as four, uh, but yeah. let, I mean, let's be honest, everybody's kid draws when they're four years old and they stick it on the right. refrigerator. And then as soon as the kid forgets about it, they throw it away and wait for the next one to come along. Um, but at some point I'm assuming now, uh, so go ahead and flesh out the story. Somebody, either your parents or the aunt and uncle that you mentioned, or a school teacher or somebody looked at your work and possibly your brother's work and thought, yeah. okay, this is different. This is a level above or two levels above. These kids really have skill that can be developed in the art. Did, did that happen to you or were you just like always in your bedroom and, and then one day you just sprung out a bunch of stuff and everybody was surprised? No, I mean, I, I certainly think it, my parents are, are a huge influence in that and my, and my family in general. Um, you know, they always, they're my, my mother and father, although not um, visual artists per se are very artistic people. They, they garden, my mom quilts, my dad would works they always have a project and the craft mm. that they're working on yeah art, you know it's very it's a very creative household and um whether i appreciate it at the time or not <laughs> yeah. we were always kind of encouraged to didn't really watch tv much didn't really watch many movies we we're you know sort of making something or doing something and as a kid you kind of have a little bit of resentment um towards your parents for oh you know you didn't you can't talk to the kids at school about fresh prints because you, you've never seen it. Uh, and, and I, and, you know, I still harbor a little bit of that resentment, but I also, oh, that's, that's pretty cool that we, uh, Dude, we Will, Will Smith can't even draw. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we were, we were encouraged to, uh, to, you know, certainly. And, and, and um, I think another thing about it, <laughs> this is my twin experience. You always grow up as a twin thinking you're kind of special Yeah. Um, <laughs> By the very nature of being a twin, so um, certainly have, but, but certainly having a brother who was, you know, equally interested and and always pushing me and and you know sort of to have that dialogue from a very early age um, was another thing that encouraged the art early on. And 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 great teachers um, too. I, I think I remember a, a second grade teacher, maybe a first grade teacher, who couldn't believe when I we were drawing still lifes and I had drawn a rose overlapping another rose. Mm -hmm. I remember very distinctly her pulling me aside and telling me that this was great and here's why. And I had no idea what I, I didn't understand it at all. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I would, I would really, um, you know, attribute that to my parents and their, their, their encourage of our, excuse me, their encouragement of our artistic pursuits. Did, um, when I look at your stuff, there's a quality to your drawing that looks like watercolor to me a lot of times. Is that intentional? Um, so, well, I do use watercolor from time to time. Okay. I, I, I try, I try to mix my media. I try to, I try to, that's one way I try to push myself now. Um, which is hard because once you start to have an audience and you start to build a following, 
it's sort of like you don't you want everything you show you show and you share to be of a certain level mm-hmm. and that, and when you're sort of trying to write your <laughs> write your hit song every time yeah that can like uh that can like um it can stifle experimentation and creativity so i try to make myself a little uncomfortable use different media right now i'm getting into watercolor i i use ink and um sharpie and markers these really strong um toxic probably cancer causing markers um <laughs> i just, only use them yeah you just now. throw them in central park when you're done right yeah <laughs> um called, and called chart pack markers and that's where you sort of get to glow the watercolor gotcha. okay glow. and i also use color pencil and i also use paint pens and i i try to i try to mix it up and push myself a little bit to to find different media to experiment with so that every time I'm sort of challenged, um, anew. Um, you did a, you did a one picture from, I guess it was the uh, museum of natural history. I'm not sure what the name of it would be. Yeah. yeah, American uh, uh, Either a Tyrannosaurus or Stegosaurus or something. I can't remember now. And I just remember, I mean, the physical jaw drop, not like the metaphorical jaw drop, but like my <laughs> mouth just fell open. I'm like, what in the world? This is not bricks and mortar. He's not supposed to be able to do this, but, <laughs> uh, but where do you find the most, uh, is the joy for you just in reproducing what your eyes are taking in? Or is there a specific challenge to a skeletal structure that doesn't exist in a building or a bridge that doesn't exist in a building or something like that? What's the real challenge when you sit down to draw? I think, um, capturing it's one thing to, you know, I, I enjoy photography and, and, as an art form, appreciate it as an art form. And it's one thing to use, use your mind to frame a scene and, and to, 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 I guess, communicate a scene in that way. I think when I, when I draw what I'm trying to, you know, either consciously or unconsciously get at is the experience I had, um, while I was there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I try to incorporate and I'm, and it's hard because this is another source of discomfort. Um, but lately what I've been trying to push myself to do is include people or include a sense of motion or, or try to draw a car because cars are notoriously just diff- more difficult than buildings because the, the geometry is so different. Um, and so while, and, and lately I've been trying to place the buildings as a backdrop and have the scene be more focused on, you know, the, the sort of life that's happening, the people who are passing by. Um, that being said to, to the uh, point of the like Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton or the other, um, um, you know, more organic things that, I, that I've drawn. Um, those are great because you get the motion, you get the organic nature, you get the, the life, but they're also um, fixed and yeah. um, they're not going to move on you in that time you're sitting there drawing. So that's a really <laughs> enjoyable experience to be able to capture that sort of life and motion, but also have it frozen there for you already. Uh, and now I've, I've, you know, rambled so long, I even forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was it. It was about, um, uh, drawing life forms, uh, specifically the skeletal pe- the images versus buildings and whatnot. Uh, I'm talking to Gavin Snyder. He's an artist uh, in New York. He does a lot of urban art, and uh, we are going to be giving away one of his drawings. So if you'll listen away, or if you'll listen until the end, you'll find out how you can be entered in that random drawing for that. And I'll be back with Gavin in just a minute. If you'd like to place an ad on an episode of Uncommentary, please email Marty Duran, M-A-R-T-Y-D-U-R-E-N, no dashes, dots, or underscores, at yahoo.com, Marty Duran at yahoo.com. I'll be glad to email you a rate sheet, and we can talk about a 15-second, 30-second, or 60-second ad on an upcoming episode of Uncommentary. Let me know, and we will work it out. Now back to this week's episode. 
So, Gavin, you're not only uh, an artist with pen and pencil and watercolor, uh, you're a musician of some sort. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say of some sort. I guess you play an <laughs> instrument. No, it's, not, <laughs> it's not like you just show up and they say, why don't you play the broom? I mean, you got to have some kind of skill, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I have a band called Sad American Night. Um, we are a three-piece, uh, myself and two two groundskeepers from the New York Mets, one of whom is a, a, a longtime childhood friend, the other whom is a, is a new friend, but also very close. And uh, we play a, sort of a, a light, um, ple- uh, melodically pleasing rock music. Okay. And uh, it's a really great outlet in, in its own right, um, cre- creatively, and, and a nice alternative to art when you're, you know, you couldn't pick up a pen or, or look at a page uh, for another minute. So it's, it's great to have that sort of as another source of, of um, another creative outlet. So you guys are a three-piece band. Are you, are you like Rush? Is that is that your sound? <laughs> oh, we wish. We would uh, <laughs> we would aspire to be um, a – what's a, what's a good analogy? I'm trying my best to think of three-piece bands, and there's one yeah, from you know, old contemporary Christian music was called – pfd or pdf or something like that i can't remember now and they were they would have been in that kind of melodic rock genre but they're they've been long disbanded no actually one of the one of the uh, bands i'm really inspired by not a three-piece but they're from nashville and you know you kind of sound like the singer so i thought i thought about them is a band called lamb chop i don't know if you're familiar with their body i'm not but i'm gonna be (laughs) Um, they're great it's it's really quiet kind of whispery kind of country kind of soul yeah um but I would, you know, give them, give them a listen. Um, and, and I don't think the music we make sounds anything like them, but they're a constant source of inspiration. That's awesome. Um, we aspire to be sort of a Midwestern Paul Simon, um, you know, Paul Simon cover band. Yeah. We're writing songs, but they just don't have the same, you know, sort of, uh, I guess, uh, talent behind them. <laughs> There's uh it's funny you bring up the Paul Simon cover band. There's a guy in Nashville uh, Scott Mulvahill, who plays bass, plays upright and electric, sings and all this. He does, I think, every year. Uh, he does a a concert locally that's a note by note recreation of Graceland. Every song, oh, wow. and it's all local musicians, which you can imagine what local musicians in Nashville are like. Oh, but, sure. uh, yeah, but, nice. but it, uh, it's just phenomenal. I mean, it's like it's just so crazy good. Um, that's, that's awesome. So, what is the biggest? Uh, painting or drawing that you've ever done in, in sense of size, not like most important, but actual size, physical size. What's the largest thing you've done? The largest I have done um, was a mural in Kansas City in the office of a company called Card Connect. And I want to say this this mural was, was roughly um, 10 feet by by. 20, 10 feet tall by 20 feet wide. Wow. That's a, that's a general, uh, a general um, size of it. And it's the Kansas City skyline. It's kind of this very iconic view you get when you're in Kansas City. And everybody who lives there knows it, where you're standing at, um, at the uh, World War One Memorial um, and looking down over the skyline in Union Station. Um, and that was painted uh, with, with actually with my, with my parents and my, and my younger brother, Jonah, um, uh, my mom and, and dad came up and, and my, my brother, uh, lives in Kansas city and they helped out over a weekend. And we, uh, we had a nice family, uh, painting event. So that's probably the largest work I've ever done. So um, you don't just, I mean, unless you're like a savant where they can fly you over the city in a helicopter and then you can sit down and recreate everything down to the, you know, what the person's wearing on the street corner. Yeah. Um, 
how do you paint something on that scale? I mean, if it's me, I start off in the middle and all of a sudden I've got like the entire city center is done. And there's like 14 feet on each side with nothing left to go in it. I mean, how, how do you plan a painting that big? That's where, well, a little bit of architecture background is nice to be able to draw an elevation, um, grid it out. And then what, what we did was really, uh, became a paint by numbers and a lot of muralists work in different ways. And I, I'm by no means a, a great muralist. Um, I don't have, I've done a couple, don't have too much experience with it, lo- would love to do more. But um, so the way I, I do it is a sort of a foolproof way where you do a carbon transfer and you paint by numbers after that. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that, that way, you, you know, I could, I could produce it and, and really anybody could paint it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, we showed up and we had the, the first day with my brother, we spent doing the carbon transfer onto the walls. So you have the blue lines that you're going to fill in the blue paint with. You have the black lines you're going to fill in the black paint with. And it was my heart sunk. And I think his did too when he saw how many lines I had drawn <laughs> on this mural. And we're just like, oh my goodness. Uh, but then my parents came up the next day and, uh, and with, the, with three people, uh, three and a half people working because he worked a half day. Um, it wasn't so bad. It, it, you sort of get in the rhythm and you, you, you lose yourself in the painting a little bit, just like you might do on site. And um, it's a really great feeling. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. So when you're painting in New York, um, you know, most people outside of, uh, of New York, and especially in the South, have this idea that everyone is, uh, you know, rude and you're probably going to get stabbed before you get your painting finished <laughs> and, uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but you've already mentioned that, you know, people will engage, uh, they'll talk. I'm sure they're asking you what you're doing and commenting on how well they, or how poorly they think you're doing it a particular thing. Um, do famous people ever like cross in front of where you're working? If you're, you know, drawing a building, does, you know, the, some news anchor or somebody, um, from Broadway ever just happen across the thing and you have to struggle with whether you want to include them in the drawing or not. That's, that's happened to me once actually. And I'm glad you remember, I'm, I'm glad you asked because, because I don't really think that I, I've thought about this lately. I was drawing outside grand central terminal, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, gotta say grand central terminal. If I say grand central station, I'm going to get some nasty emails. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a rainy day, so I'm under an, I'm under an awning uh, of a building and, and sort of trying to stay out of everybody's way and stay out of the rain. And all of a sudden, a, a photo shoot assembles around me. Wow. Um, really polite, you know. I, it's they're in the middle of the street, so they're in public space. I'm in the middle of the street. I was here first, and they're not they're not going to bother me. But you know, camera crews and they've got the the guys like a makeup and they've got the lights and they've got you know a crew of probably fifteen to twenty people and a model and um, she poses um she's they're doing a, a fashion shoot and she, she's posing right in front of where i'm drawing um and i'm just kind of rolling with it and they're, they're, you know they're we're, we're coexisting and joking a little bit with the people who are you know trying to to photograph the model and um it was it was a model named bella hadid who i, I looked up later i my uh my girlfriend at the time now my wife um was like do you know who that was and she's like, she's literally the most famous model. You, you don't get any bigger than her. I'm like, oh, she was really nice. She said she liked my drawing. Um, and and so, but, but, you know, I have a lot of regrets about this situation. Well, not a lot of regrets. It was great. It was a, a really funny experience. But I, I wasn't confident enough at the time to really capture the mm-hmm. human form. And so I didn't put her in the drawing of Grand Central Terminal and you know, right now, if I could do it again, if I if I'm in that situation again, whether it turns out great or not, I'm going to try to capture that yeah. interaction rather than just the, the 
you know, the building, which I can go back and draw next week if I really miss it. That right. Time. It's not going anywhere. So that's my one experience with my one brush with fame while drawing. That's awesome. Um, so a lot of artists from uh, history, I think of the Renaissance and of course, Sistine Chapel and all that kind of stuff that they've seen, I guess, or experienced, or at least thought that there was something transcendent about art. Um, yeah. whether, whether they called it God, I guess, but in the, the middle ages, most of them would have, but even, even through today, you know, almost anybody who's ever been to a concert with any band that they really appreciated can testify to having had some kind of a feeling or experience that seemed to be outside of the norm or whatever. Uh, yeah. And, and some people would call that transcendent. Do you feel like your art is transcendent for anyone or is it transcendent for you? Do you think there's, do you see any kind of outside of the, just the work of pencil and paper in effect when you're drawing or to you, is it more earthy? It's uh, it, it, when the day <laughs> you can't, you can't harness that feeling. You can't um, predict when it comes, uh -huh. but when it comes, it's amazing. Um, that, that feeling of, transcendence or or the spiritual i don't know i don't know what you'd call it but it definitely happens and i think the art can be a a vehicle to get you there hmm. um and it doesn't happen all the time some days it feels like work yeah some days it feels like you know you're, you're questioning really what what am i doing yeah. making lines on a page <laughs> taking a picture and putting the picture on the internet and then checking to see if people liked it and, and trying to find some sort of gratification in that it's a confusing thing because it doesn't feel like it, it sort of feels a little empty. And then other days, you know, other days, what, whether, you know, whether it's the experience you had while you're, while you're there, the people you met, the scene you captured, the feelings, you know, or the way the light's hitting the building, you know, so sometimes there, there truly is a, a spiritual moment mm. um, that's, that some might call God, some might call, um, you know, just, just it, it's something that you, you are feeling in a way or you're connected to the world. You're connected to this, this larger, um, the world and the people in it in a way that you wouldn't have been if you had just sat at your computer and drew something from a screen. Oh, that's really and cool. Yeah. That's something that keeps me going. And, and, and like I said, it, it doesn't always happen. It's not, <laughs> it's not always, it's not easy to harness or easy to, to recreate all the time. But when it does, you know, it's, it's like going golfing and hitting that one, yeah. that one good ball keeps you coming back. Yeah. I wouldn't know from experience, but I've heard people tell stories. <laughs> well, I, I just get one every time I go. So that's, my, uh... <laughs> that's great. Uh, I would just go back to the club. If I hit one good ball, I would go back to the clubhouse and just read a book after that. It's just <laughs> Call it good. It's never going to happen again. Yep, yep. Oh man. That's funny. So, um, does your, does your, did you meet your wife because of your art or did you already, did you guys kind of already know each other and then she knew you were artist already or is she we, one of the people that walked across while you were painting a scene in the park? <laughs> so she's a, she's a designer and, um, at the time an architect we met through our, through architecture, um, working at the same company. And it's, it's really amazing the way she sees the world because I sort of have a, a zoomed in. I see what's right in front of my face and I have this very, um, I guess, how do you say, uh, one track mind when it comes to creating art, mm -hmm. whereas the way she sees the world is so open and expansive. And, and so she understands the big picture and she has been a huge source of inspiration, guidance, um, manage management. Um, I don't know what, how, how I can't, um, underestimate the influence she's had on, on, my, my art and the, the work I create and, and why I create it and understanding, you know, what my next step is, mm -hmm. and, you know, where I should go from here and, um, 
Uh, Lindsay Fisher is, is my wife's name. And, and again, a graphic designer by, by trade, um, but also um, a huge influence and a huge um, um, part of, of the art I create. That's awesome. Now, in, in, uh, it, would, would there be a character in The Devil Wears Prada that, uh, that your wife would be closest to? Oh, <laughs> you know, she loves the movie and I still have been, I've been begging her to watch or to, to sit down with me and watch it. Cause it's one I missed. Um, so I, I'll have to get back to you on that. Oh dude, um, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. It's just so, yeah. so good. Um, so you're on your own line. Uh, where, where can people find your stuff on the various social media platforms? Um, I am on Instagram, um, too much, but, uh, <laughs> The, um, my handle is Gavin to draw G A V I N D E D R A W. Um, and on Twitter as Gavin Snyder, um, that's Snyder with an I. Um, and, uh, also on Facebook as myself and on, on my website as Gavin Snyder.com. And, uh, uh Gavin Snyder.com slash, is it slash shop where they can see your stuff to, that's purchasable? Shop has, has, um, prints for purchase. Um, I also can, I, I also can really make a print of, of any drawing I share on my Instagram, mm. which is really how most people or what most people choose to, um, to pursue because it, it just, you know, people see a building they connect with or something they have a history with. And I can't share every single one of my shops. So the best way is to kind of go through my Instagram and then pick one and, and, and either message me or there's a form on my, on my shop that can, you know, you can make a print of any drawing. Very cool. So in that line, we want to, uh, to say that we're going to be giving away, uh, one print, uh, to a random retweeter. So when this episode drops, uh, you'll, those of you who follow at uncommentary pod on Twitter, will see it. And if you retweet this episode with Gavin Snyder, then, uh, you'll be entered into a drawing and you will be able to choose one of the prints, uh, from his shop. And uh, Uncommentary will purchase that for you, and Gavin will send it directly. And so uh, when that time comes, we'll make the right contact. And I hope that you'll enjoy, I know you will, uh, enjoy the print that, that is selected if you are the winner. Uh, Gavin, if, I, um, if there's a person who uh, kind of has drawn, they feel like they've got some talent, the person who's listening, um, what can they do to kind of mold it or train it or unleash it or get some help or what are some steps that a person can take that is a burgeoning artist and they, they want to flower a little bit larger? That's a great question. Um, and I think they're one of the intimidating things or, or possibly, um, difficult things about, about the way, the way artists consume and share now is you just know you're hyper, I'm hyper aware of, of all the people doing great work around me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's really important to, to be to use to see drawing as a form of personal expression and something that's singular, singular to you and the way you see the world and to not really have, a, I guess, to, to, to not go into it with a goal of, of the final um, product, to go into it with, with I'm, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to spend this time and, and devote this, this amount of effort in my life to creating something. And whether it turns out good at the end and I like it, um, of course, that's going to keep you coming back, but but it it, it shouldn't necessarily be the point. And I, I, I say this, and of course, I struggle with the same thing too. Um, and, and sort of all our life and all our, our schooling, we're led to see good art, bad art, and sort of have this this dichotomy between the two. And I, I really think that um, if you look at it more as a process, look at it more as a craft or as something that 
um, can be, you know, done if you do a small amount every day or every two days or every week or, you know, however often you want to do. And, and you see the world in a different way. You see, you start to feel, um, you know, a connection to the, to the process of making and, um, little by little you'll see improvement or you'll, you'll find, you'll find what it is about, um, about creating art that you like. And, and, and it helps to switch media. Some, you know, sometimes, you know, using a paintbrush for someone might be like cutting with a dull saw blade. Mm. Um, but then they might, they might find, um, that, that sculpture or, um, or drawing with a, a fat Sharpie is like the way to express their, um, Interesting. you know, express what they're feeling and express their experience of the world. So I, I guess I, um, see it as a process and see it as something you, you work a little bit at, you get a little bit better at every day. Um, and really like, it's a time where you're only, um, you're only focused on one thing. It's like, let's, it's like playing music or like dancing or like running where, you know, everything in the world kind of goes silent around you and you just have this moment to lock in. Um, and when you find it, it's great. It's beautiful. And and when you don't, it can be frustrating, but, uh, I just recommend finding that process. That's awesome. Gavin Snyder. Thank you for being with me on Uncommentary today. Well, thanks for having me, Marty. I really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Uncommentary. I really appreciate you stopping by. Big shout out to James Peach, my audio engineer, and my daughter, Abby, who helps with the scheduling. If you're not yet following Uncommentary on Twitter, please do so at UncommentaryPod, or you can even follow me at Marty Duran. Both on Twitter, both pretty active. If you have not rated and reviewed in iTunes or your favorite podcaster, that would be a huge encouragement and a blessing. So please do that when you get just a moment of your time. Again, if you would like to support Uncommentary via Patreon or paypal.me slash uncommentarypod and make a one-time gift there, or you can go to patreon.com slash uncommentary and sign up for a monthly draft of whichever size you really want, starting at about two bucks. And that would be greatly appreciated as well. Until the next time, Sobadeo Gloria.